course, is Warren Johnson. Well, super nerdy pet peeve uh, of mine, Nick Picky. I don't think he should have been hopping over the top rope like a uh, parkour champion. You got me mad now. What is your name? As always, with my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Facone. That's me. It doesn't matter what your name is. It ain't got a bad dick. I don't really know us like you think that you do. I'm Ryan Isley. What is he doing? Oh my God. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What the hell is going on here? Straight Shooters is, the, I believe, the number one show on Wildfire Radio. I'm feeling good. No sleep, no food, no nothing. Maniacism. Well, all the spe- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Al. Sorry. What actually happened on the show? Nothing. Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up, ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land? My name is Warren Johnson, and Joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCona, Philly voice and Philly influencer. And you're listening to episode 227 of The Straight Shooters on all the platforms where podcasts can be found, including SoundCloud and Spotify and iHeartRadio and, and the like, where you can subscribe to us and rate and review us on there as, as well. Show us love, all the love, five-star love, if you can, please. We all appreciate any feedback, obviously, but five stars are preferred. But yeah, episode two two seven, like the TV show back in the day. Ah. I don't know if you remember that show. Oh, you was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that on like, yeah, I was watching that on, uh, I don't know if it was syndication or if it was on one of the networks, but I remember watching it. Yeah. I you watched that. You me as a 227 guy. Uh, why not? I watched that. I don't know. I believe it was Amen uh, back to back. Yeah. And it was on TV. yeah. <laughs> so I, I watched Amen. that. Yeah. One of the best intros of all time. Yeah. Uh, Sherman Hill. My favorite part is when he uh, went to the jump rope. It was awesome. Right. One of the best intros of all time. Absolutely. He did it by all one take, too. He didn't even... <laughs> yeah. Boom, knock it out. Oh, I'm sure he did. But yeah, episode two twenty seven of the Straight Shooters and all the platforms. You didn't think we were gonna start that? I didn't, we didn't, you didn't think we were gonna start that way, did you? <laughs> I mean, we should I just gonna, spend this whole episode reminiscing about those shows. I was gonna throw in a two two seven reference just because for the culture, obviously. But uh, <laughs> I didn't expect you to be like, "Yeah, that's my show too." I'm like, what? I gotta be back for a second. But it had to be syndication because two two seven ended in nineteen ninety, and I believe yeah. I was watching it in the like ninety one or ninety two. So I was only a year old in nineteen ninety, so I don't remember what happened in nineteen ninety. So, um, but we got another great show for you ahead here on episode two twenty seven. As I said earlier, we're going to talk about a lot of things. Chief among them, for me at least, is Cody Rhodes, or just Cody, I guess. And after he put together a Another stellar performance. I mean, a stellar, I don't say that lightly, but he's been knocking out of the park in AEW since AEW started last year in 2019. We just want to like, try to examine just like where he is at this point of his career and then I guess where, where his place is overall in the business of pro wrestling, um, as well as other miscellaneous things. Of course, the ratings and the war, which, look, I declared over last week. Obviously, there's still going to be more episodes of TV after that. But 
I went, I meant over from a competitive standpoint from it you having to worry about whether AEW or NXT is going to win on a week-to-week basis. We know what the result's going to be. It's just a matter of by how much and what's the gap. You know, it's just the same thing, I guess. Or whether the show's increase in viewers and decrease in viewers. So I guess we'll touch on that as well. Before we touch on that, Nick, I did my weekly check-in with you. How are you doing tonight, my good brother? I have had those cheesy grits from Wawa three times this week. And it's Thursday, so I'm doing great. They are excellent, and they are delicious, Vaughn. Have you had them yet? I honestly did not know that Wawa had cheesy grits. And I wouldn't think to get cheesy grits from Wawa or any grits of any kind from Wawa. I know they got everything else. I'm telling you, man. Grits. Now, hold up. Let me I'm telling you. Now, let's examine this for a second. You know when we was going to Wi-Fi radio, we used to go to Wawa uh, all the time. We did. And they were like an unofficial sponsor, essentially, <laughs> of the show. Yeah. And um, so, look, big fan of the store, obviously. Um, but the grits, um, maybe I'm just particular about grits. I don't know. Do, what, I'm not you, a <laughs> habitual eater of grits. I am not. So I, love I went them. in there. I went. I love them. So I, I'm like, I'm particular about how grits are. Like, if they're. You got to do them a certain way for me to like them. So no, you said you like them, though. You, you approve of them. I do. Now, I had grits growing up here and there, and I never was a fan of how my parents would make them. They, they always seemed too watery for me. Mm. Um, so when I started getting older enough to like kind of make my own, I would put milk in there instead of water or something like that. The way I cooked it differently, and I enjoyed it more than you know my my parents had made it for me when i was younger but then i just you know like i don't i don't i don't eat them that much if i go to cracker barrel for breakfast or something like that i'll, I'll definitely get uh one of those cups that they usually serve with uh entree uh but other than that i really don't have them so when i stopped at wawa for by the way an excellent excellent new cream smoothie the the salted caramel mocha oh my goodness that yeah all the intel on wawa now well here, here's the thing all the advertising they do doesn't really affect me that much but i went in there to grab a newspaper for my pops because he still reads the paper god bless him and i was like you know what let me get let me get a smoothie i haven't had one in a while i whenever i go to wawa uh, if I go to get money or whatever, go to get a newspaper, I'm generally in and out. But when I went in there, it was after work. I was hungry. I was like, you know what? I'll just get my food here for tonight. So I went and I saw this new things on their screen and everything like that. So I was like, all right, I'll try this. I'll try that. And man, I made the best decision because I went back twice this week after that day to get not only the grits, but also the salted caramel mocha. Uh, cream smoothie it has chocolate whipped cream on it with chocolate chips and then just the smoothie was awesome but man it was just it's fantastic Vaughn. my that yes the grits and the smoothie and everything that that's I got. a deal <laughs> grits so, and a smoothie <laughs> well today i went and got the uh, macaroni and cheese bowl with cheesesteak you know and mm. that was my meal that's with the smoothie that was good. my meal 
tonight and then I saved the grits for later. So I, I had it for about an hour ago, you know, but before we went on the air, I, I consumed it. I heated it up in the microwave and consumed it and it was fantastic. Now that you said this, I'm going to go, to, I'm going to go to Wawa, check out some grits. All right. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. I'm going to report back our findings. Excellent. And give you a full review. Can't wait. Probably on, on, a, on a future episode of the Stray Shooters. So be on the lookout for that. Hopefully next week. We'll see. I might forget. <laughs> <laughs> it can easily happen. I'll have to text you every day. Hey. <laughs> go to Wawa. Well, I had grits, obviously, a couple of times. I went to New Orleans uh, a couple weeks ago now. Because, you know, shrimp and grits. Southern delicacy, obviously. Or just a delicacy in general. And I didn't love the shrimp and grits I had until the day I was leaving. I was in the New Orleans airport and went to Emerald Lagasse's restaurant. You know Emerald Lagasse? Do you remember him? No. I do not remember Emerald Lagasse. He had the show with the live band. He was cooking food. He'd go, bam! He'd throw the season in there. You don't, yeah, you I don't remember that? like watch cooking he was shows. kicking it up another notch all the time. I'm not a fan we of We should have shows. a Patreon exclusive about Emerald Lagasse's show because it was incredible. We should watch it together. I'm telling you right now. Uh, how, how long is uh, it? An hour? It's like an hour. It's like in the 90s. His show, he's a, it was like a late night talk show, but with cooking involved. Okay, I'm not a... Like, yeah. that, that, that stuff never, never intrigued me. Oh, it was great. But he has a whole bunch of restaurants, and his shrimp and grits is great. So, shout out to Emerald. Kicking it up, still kicking it up another notch in 2020. <laughs> hey, like, sponsor us. Yeah, Emerald. <laughs> I'm, your fan. I'm still one of your biggest fans. What's up? Holla at me. But speaking of big fans, I'm a big fan of Cody Rhodes right now. As I said earlier, he had another stellar performance on Dynamite this past Wednesday night. It's now Thursday as we record this. Um, yeah, he's been on fire. He had the emotional promo after the match. The match itself was fun. It just told a story. It's what a cage match, in my opinion, should be. It could have been better, obviously. I mean, there was still for t- it was still TV. It wasn't a pay per view. It wasn't a title on the line. But there was emotion involved. Cody's back in his hometown of Atlanta, in a cage where you know his dad was in the cage. Arn Anderson, who's now his head coach, trapped his dad inside of the cage and broke his leg many many years ago. But he did the dive off the top of the cage, which was just crazy. Um, but he. And it got me to thinking, after I watched it and the whole thing in its totality, I was just like, man, is there anyone, any one person that's benefited? I'm sure everybody's benefited in their own way. But is there any one person that's benefited from AEW since it started than Cody? From a standpoint, obviously he's got power there, so he can put himself in position to benefit. And But he's in the, he, he's, he's done it in a way where no one's going like, ah. Uh. You know, he's booking himself to be the guy when he's not even the champion right now. Chris Jericho's the champion. And he's not challenging for the title. He did challenge, but he lost. But that's Moxley right now. But from a, I guess you could say, a artistic standpoint, I think Cody had people's respect. I think people accepted Cody as a top guy in, like, Ring of Honor. But I think... The jury was still out on Cody as far as whether he could be a top guy in a promotion like an AEW, what it is now. Top top of the line promotion where he is pretty much the face of the promotion and no one bats an eye. Because 
you know, I, I don't think if you put him in, in that position in WWE, I mean, WWE would have messed it up somehow. I'm sure they would have. And they did when he was there. But, like, there would have been some initial questions. It's like, is Cody ready for this? Is he, is he, is he capable? Blah, blah, blah. I think that there were some questions still that, that need to be answered about that, even heading into AEW's um, beginning, so to speak. But he's answered all those questions. From pretty much the first show, like double or nothing when he went against his brother Dustin Rhodes. To me, that was the best match on that show. And he's had a bunch of those types of matches since then. You would have thought that in my if I would have predicted a year ago this time, who would benefit the most from being on TNT two hours every Wednesday night? Who would benefit the most from getting that exposure? I don't think Cody would have been my first guy because I would have said he had that exposure on, on Raw and SmackDown. And yeah, it was WWE, so it's different promotion, but it didn't really do much. I would have said Kenny Omega would have benefited the most from having that exposure because it's the first time a lot of people are. It's the first time a lot of people are seeing him. He's got this. He's a. He's great in the ring, and he's unique, and he's you know. But once you see him in the ring, it's like, all right, this is the guy I got to watch a lot. But it, that's not what's happened. Maybe that'll happen eventually. Maybe they're getting to that point. Right now, it's Cody's time, but maybe at some point it'll be Kenny Omega's time. And I don't know if people will react the same to him as they're doing with Cody, where not only are his matches technically... I mean, he, I think we, take, we walk that back. Not only are his stories good, but his matches are good. I think that was always a question with Cody, especially when he was in New Japan. Can he keep up? Is he actually good? Is he good enough to be with Okada and all these other guys? But he's wrestles a different style than those guys. Those guys are all action oriented. They can tell stories, you know, in their way. But Cody, he gets he strikes those emotional chords. And yeah, a lot of times it has something to do with his dad. A lot of times is you know obviously Dusty Rhodes. But even without the Dusty Rhodes factor, he just he strikes a he knows how to hit certain notes that strikes an emotional chord, and it's propelled him to me as like the face of AEW without even being a champion. He's had, to my opinion, him. Obviously, Chris Jericho's done some great stuff. Moxley's done some great stuff. But from a creative standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, Cody's done the best stuff by far in AEW. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that he's he's greatly benefited. And sure, he can put himself in that position because he's got sway. He can help. At least he's got say in putting himself in that position. But it's worked. Like you can't argue with when it's like really good. And AEW's ratings are doing pretty well. They saw an increase in viewers this past week despite the fact that there was a democratic debate NXT saw an increase in viewers also by the way which is good for both brands Uh, good news for both of them but Cody he's knocking it out of the park man and I can't wait to see Cody versus MJF Cody doesn't have to win but I know that match is going to be special I know that match is going to have emotion it's going to have heat that's the thing Cody knows how to do. He knows how to get like generate emotion and heat. Mm-hmm. And he's got it with this angle. And he had it with his brother. He had it with Jericho. When he was going against Jericho, he had that promo when he was talking about winning the title and stuff like that. And people were like, oh, this is a, one of the best promos I've ever seen. He just knows how to get that heat. And it's, wor- it's worked out for AEW in spades so far. Yeah, and I like how you said it. Cody's probably been doing the best stuff on AEW right now because to me, when you look at pro wrestling, I think the best stuff is always the stuff that 
tugs at your heartstrings. It gets you emotionally involved in, in the match. And that's why I loved NXT for the longest time, because it seemed like it was the only brand that really brought in emotional, you know, the, the emotional impacts, especially with the Gargano champa feud when champa was a heel and gargano was a face and it's kind of funny how now they're doing the same thing just flipping flopping it but uh that's neither here nor there that was like the nxt feud that got me emotionally involved they got the crowd emotionally involved and there's really like there there's only so much string that you can go with when you're a jericho and your big thing is having your you yourself and your group the inner circle attack moxley every week i i mean that's yeah that's pro wrestling but it's not nearly as emotional as a lot of the things that cody has brought forth since double or nothing the fight that was a lot of blood the f the post-match promo which you know it, it was funny because i thought it was maybe a little too early maybe they wait on that maybe they buy time for a pay-per-view here and there but it was like, okay, you just fought your brother. So, like, and now you're just going to be like, hey, I love you. Like, we should team up. Like, that was weird to me. And I wasn't, like, fully yeah. with that. But, you know, it was emotional. Like, everyone was involved. Like, he was tearing up. Dustin was tearing up. Like, that, even though the timing was weird, the emotions still got everyone. So, that's what it is with me. If you get me emotionally involved, if you have the announcers saying like, this is Cody's last chance or something like that, like where you can, and you see the, his facial expressions, you know, when he was getting those lashes, you know, like I thought it was going to be a stupid segment. I was like, wow, like this is kind of dumb. I wonder where, where they're going to go with it. And I don't think they could have possibly done it any better the way it was. So, and by, you know, the middle of the segment, I was, I was involved. I was emotionally involved. I was like, this is good television. This is a good wrestling angle right now. So uh, Cody seems to have a knack for that at this point. Uh, hopefully he continues with this creative direction when it comes to his character and like whatever he's involved in. Would I like to see more of that play out in other stories? Sure. Um, but then you risk run the risk of it being too like every single feud being too emotional like you also don't need that in pro wrestling especially when you have two hours every week on tnt you don't you don't need every single thing to capture the emotions of your viewers uh that one thing right now is cody whatever he's involved in you get the crowd reaction you get his reaction he like if he's doing a fiery promo you can almost bet that he's going to start you know tearing up a little bit and and while he gets through it so He's definitely, that's the difference between him. And I think maybe some people compare him to Triple H when he had his run as champion. And then everyone thought, oh, he's throwing his creative weight around. Like he's not losing. Uh, he's the champion all the time. And people were just kind of tired of it. But that was a different era in wrestling too. So I kind of like, I kind of respect Triple H for that heel run that he had uh, maybe in 2004, 2005 but not so much before that. Uh, with Cody right now, that's why I think he's different. Like, I think he doesn't, like, he's not in the title picture. That's different. Uh, they could always write a story about how he needs to, s somehow, if he returns to the title picture. So, I mean, it's wrestling. It can happen. It probably will happen at some point. But who knows? Maybe it will never happen. Maybe Cody will never be the world champion in AEW. But I feel like that... 
would be a hell of a story to tell. And maybe like he's already obviously they're maybe they're already thinking down the road about, you know, what they'll do and with that storyline should that come to pass. But man, that that moonsault off the cage, you know, obviously memories of Kurt Angle doing that on Raw and uh, you know, Cody bleeding and all that and the Arn Anderson bit with MJF and MJF saying, you know you wanna you know you wanna like slam him slam the door on Cody and stuff like that. It was just good uh it, it was good stuff i aren't throwing mjf in the, in the crowd just like it didn't take away from cody or warlow for that matter so i think they booked it as perfectly as they possibly could have without taking the heat off cody or warlow uh it was probably the best main event dynamite's had uh since they debuted and I got to agree with you, Vaughn. I, if we go back to when you said you think the war is over in terms of competitiveness and uh, like how, you know, it's not going to be uh, trading back and forth rating, rating wins uh, at this point. And I, I remember I went at you last week, but I was watching that last night and my God, like it felt so different. Like both the AW that main event just felt so different than what we see on NXT. And I think I'll, I'll, I'm not fully agree that saying that it's over in terms of like, I still think NXT probably has a ratings win in their back pocket at some point, but uh, you know, in terms of like the stories they're telling, and it's not just Cody, but now we're focusing on Cody and that's the, the biggest emotion that you get out of watching AEW right now, whatever Cody's involved in gets you involved. And as a viewer and uh, NXT just does not have that. So like I'm, you know, with AEW, I, I, maybe it is over. Maybe, maybe it's over because they can do that stuff every week and NXT, like they can't really, they, they don't have anything that emotional. Like I, you got to see where they're going with Gargano Ciampa, but they already did that. And that was like the last big emotional thing. In WWE, really, you know, that was your big emotional angle, emotional storyline. But now, like, the, if they're just going to flip flop and do that again, what do they have? Like, they, they can't compete against what Cody's doing right now. So, definitely agree. Cody's probably at his biggest point in, in wrestling. So, you know, kudos, yeah. kudos to him because it's not easy. You know, trying to get the people involved like that emotionally in wrestling when every, especially AEW viewers, they basically know everything that goes on anyway, at least what they're told online. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, there were always, I think there might still be questions going forward about Cody, but by some people, there's always going to be somebody asking questions about somebody, but even like in Ring of Honor, when he was Ring of Honor champion and he was pretty much a top guy. Even in New Japan, he was pretty much a top guy, but I don't think there's still questions out about whether he could, whether he actually belonged in that upper tier. And I was probably one of them. Right. But I don't know how you could deny him at this point. Like I said, the, the creatively, he's done his best stuff. He's been involved with the best stuff. I forgot about the 10 lashes. I, that was like only a week ago, and I completely forgot about it. But Again, just a super emotional. I mean, there was a guy in the front row last night crying. You know, was, look, I know people say, "Oh, it's still real to me." Damn it, like that guy. It's still real to me, but like, and that guy did look kind of silly. I'm not gonna lie, but like, I mean, there are we silly. Can't, 
people out we there. We can't knock him, but like also like praise when Miss Elizabeth and Macho Man got engaged. And, or even there were people crying in the front row at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I just watched that this past weekend. I was like, I'm gonna watch that, and I did. And like, I'm, I'm sitting there getting involved in it. I'm not, I'm like tearing up. I'm not crying, but I'm like, man, this right. is like the the story. And I'm not even thinking about what happens with them in real life. Like, I, I put that in the in the back of my mind and, and try to like leave it. Yeah, because of what I'm seeing on the TV, and I want to believe that's happening, you know. And that's one of my first wrestling memories, you know, rest, th- those first few years of my wrestling fandom, like that is what I saw. And I didn't know who Elizabeth was because when I first watched WWF, that was SummerSlam 90. And then I, wa- I, I mentioned WrestleMania six, I watched after that. So by the time I watched, you know, SummerSlam, my, my like first real pay-per-view, I didn't know who Elizabeth was because she was out of the picture at the time. So when WrestleMania seven happened, I was like, who the hell's Elizabeth? So knowing, you know, obviously the history now, and going back, and now I'm. It's 30 years later, man. Like, what uh, an amazing story! With the, especially the people in the front row crying, and you know, back then I just wasn't emotionally involved in anything of that sort. But now it's like, man, this is like it's all about the story, man. It's all about the story. Yeah, and Cody's telling it to a T right now. Yeah, that's why I think it's the best stuff. Another He's thing proven, I thought- proven me wrong because I remember when he left WWE, I was like, okay, like go prove that you're better than what they gave you and man he has it's another and i guess it's just more proof to wwe man y'all gotta y'all had cody Rhodes sitting there he's capable of this and y'all was like let's make him stardust (laughs) what they had like they had a good story like with him and dust and gold dust at that point they could have feuded together or like they could have been a tag team or they could have gone against each other either way they wanted a wrestlemania match even well the the whole authority angle when they were like the right, whole thing me that was like the best part of that run right and then they completely like blew it with them but even still when they turned them they could have turned them against each other and they did eventually yeah. and they had like, they had a match at fast lane something like that which was terrible no one remembers they wanted to do something at wrestlemania and this was like why can't you create a space for them at WrestleMania? This is Dusty Rose's kids. This is emotions. These are emotions. This is what you. This is why we're here. You, you get these people emotionally invested. This is, I think, Dusty was still alive at that point. WrestleMania yeah. thirty-one. I think he was still alive at that point. But Dusty's kids, like, you get these people emotionally invested. How many times, even from that point forward, like, how many times have we seen real emotions invested in a WrestleMania match in the last ten years? I was like Daniel Bryan. Kofi Kingston, yeah. and that's pretty much it. Like, how many other matches were you emotionally invested when you were really like, "Wow, this is like taking me on an emotional roller coaster here"? No, but they just for whatever reason it, it just it just didn't want to do that. I don't know. I don't don't get why. It's just weird. I mean, and you squandered the opportunity, but your squandered opportunity is AEW's game because they got the Cody Dustin match that we all should have got at WrestleMania. We got it a double or nothing. It was really good. And we get now Cody gets to pretty much have free reign on his creative, and it's been really, really good. And you could have had this WWE, but even if you had Cody, you wouldn't have allowed him to do this type of stuff and really right. pull those heartstrings. And that's that, that goes across the board for WWE. They don't really tap into a lot of emotions a lot of times. They just no, and they tell the storytelling there. all the time. You see these specials on like the network; they always tout their storytelling and. 
like you had the perfect story right there and you decided not to go with it. And I don't know if it was out of spite or what, but like they definitely left money on the table because that could have been an, an all-timer right there. And even even if he didn't do it at WrestleMania, but they could have been an all-timer storyline. And they uh, had the and I think they had the footage and the lineage because they got all the footage. Yeah, yeah. They could have told it ex- just exquisitely, and they just nope. It's terrible. It's terrible stuff. Um, another thing I, I wanted to applaud last night was just the match itself. I thought the way it was structured, at least the ending, the finish, perfect. Cody does the moonsault. You end it right there. Done. For one, you don't need Cody beating up on Wardlow too much. Because Wardlow's a big guy. You don't want to make him look too bad in this loss. So he gets hit by a big move and he got beat for three seconds. That's what it looked like to me. He still dictated the pace for the most part. Cody got his share of offense in, but it was it took a big move to beat Wardlow. There wasn't like a big move and then 12 things happened after that and he eventually right. lost. Right. And on top of that, I feel like I'm like a lot of old school guys say this. That was the biggest thing in the match. The crowd was into it. You know, a lot of times you see a lot. Of, it happens all across the board in wrestling, not just in WWE. But something big will happen, and the fans are like, whoa. And they go, one, two, kick out. And it's like, oh. And you bring them back down. Of course, the challenge from there is to bring them back up. But you had them right then and there, and they were, you know, jumping out of their seats. That's when you end it, and they—that's when they ended it last night. And I thought that was perfect. Yes. Sometimes matches got to end at that point. We get this big, yeah. massive thing. How could you do anything after that? Sometimes you got to end it right there. Save the big stuff for the crescendo, the ending. Yeah. Instead of doing like two or three of those things, and now I'm desensitized. And sometimes those matches, when they do that, they backfire, and then your actual ending. It's very anticlimactic. So it's just like one, two, three, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, it's over now. But like when you had them that moment, it's like that's when you get out of there. Yeah, they get they get tired of, the, of right. reacting the same way to like that thing. But it's almost like you get a double pop because like you get the pop on yeah. the move, and then you get the pop on the finish, and it's like, whoa, like there's like a euphoric yes. feeling. Yes. You know, and that was, I thought that was perfectly done. Yes. They, uh, that was the exact way that match should have ended because I, I guarantee you have. A dozen other matches are all across wrestling, and they don't end there. Even their tag matches are the same way. They, right. They'll have all these big moves, and then they'll kick out. It's like, come on, dude. Like, AW got to be better. And then you had NXT TakeOver this past weekend with Adam Cole and Ch- Tommaso Ciampa. You, you had the same thing. Like, close fall after close fall. It's like, you don't need all that. that. That doesn't make a great match. What makes a great match is the psychology behind it. And the the moves and like the you don't need these Canadian destroyers off the announce table. You don't need these quote unquote high impact moves that get a two and or you super kick somebody and they just super kick you back and not even sell it. Like that isn't wrestling to me, man. It's not wrestling to me. It's the way wrestling is now though, which kind of like upsets me. I'm not trying to be like a curmudgeon or anything, but I don't like that. I don't like how that it's becoming the norm. Uh, so when I see something like you said, with Cody, one big move, moves it off the top. That's it. We need more of that. We need, uh, you know, all these near falls don't make it a great match. It's everything that leads up to like a one or, or two big, big move set that makes it a great match. And you just you just create the ending 
and then and that's it. You go from there, and then you, maybe you do another spot. If they, there's a rematch down the road, introduce something new. I, I don't know, but like the, too many near falls, too many high impact moves, that, and too many no sells, and that really sours everything for me in wrestling right now. Mostly NXT and mostly AEW, but thankfully in that steel cage match, that wasn't the case. And, and I know some people will say, "Oh, this is how the business has evolved." And this is what people like nowadays. And that, that, that's probably true. That doesn't mean that way doesn't work still. Like what Cody and Wardlow did last night was a pretty old school way of ending things. I don't see anybody complaining about that. I don't see anybody asking, Can, they could have did another corkscrew off the top of the cage. Like, yeah. you know, like, no, it's just like, yo, that was because when people were over and you got a good story, everything makes sense. It's still pretty good. Still pretty good, actually. I wanted to get your thoughts, though. I was curious of what your thoughts were. Flyers win in Columbus in overtime, I saw that. by the way. Okay. Four to three. Sweet. Anyway. I was curious as to your thoughts on AEW's cage. Hmm. What do you think about their cage? So, I thought, you know, to me, I thought they could have used the... If they were going to have the cage sit on the outside of the ring. They could have had a cameraman inside uh, instead of, you know, right outside on the cage. Like they didn't have, they, I don't know. That annoyed me a uh, little tiny thing. Uh, didn't really have a problem with the cage. It didn't really, it, I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was like some amazing thing. Uh, it was different because it was on the outside of the ring, but it didn't really give you room. It wasn't like a hell in a cell or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't really think one way or the other. Did you have a strong opinion about it? Not really, no. I mean, I, I'm I sure somebody did. I yeah, I'm sure somebody out there had, like, well, red or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I got WWE did that. It's just red cage. But it doesn't, it didn't really, like, like you said, it was different. It was just, it was, it's a cage. Like, I understand, like, it was different because usually, like you said, it's on the apron. This was all the way to the floor, but without the room, like a hell in the cell provides. And it was like, it seemed like the, the outside had like extra, like, I don't know, structure. So it made it easier to climb, it looked like. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was fine, I guess. Um, I did like my favorite part about everything besides the finish was the fact that the escape part was taken out of it. Yeah. Like, and I don't do they say that at the beginning. I remember they said it matches, like when when they open the door, like well that yeah. won't matter because you gotta there's no escape, you gotta pin to win. And I was like, Thank you, AEW, because like But should they not have said that at the beginning? Like they might not, have why not give the fans, hey, this cage match is different because of this and but now you wait till like that moment that Arn Anderson's there with you know MJF and, and I I get it. Because I think it was around that time where, you know, the cage door was open and then they, Jim Ross was just kind of like, well, that doesn't mean anything. Can't escape it. And it's just like, right. oh, okay. Like, we finally know. And unless they did say it and I missed it. Uh, right. I don't know if you heard it. In the I did not. I don't but, remember hearing it at least. Yeah. So uh, that's the first time I heard it. Uh, but yeah, like the whole escape thing, uh, I was never a fan of. I get why it was used by WWE with, you know, stories and protecting you know people and all that stuff but yeah definitely steel cage yeah. should mean something in wrestling still yeah forget that escapes I, like i said i don't know why they did it too i think it was so 
Hulk Hogan didn't actually pin King Kong Bundy in WrestleMania 2. And if that's the reason why they did it, fine. For that match, fine. But I'm not a fan of it otherwise. It just makes it makes your people are cowardly. Like, why are they trying to run away? So you, you know, your point is not to beat the hell out of this person, which is why you're in a cage to begin with. That's the reason why you're in a cage. It's to beat because you don't like this person and I want to dismember this person. I want to mutilate this person inside the steel cage. But the only way you can win is by running away. <laughs> and both of you be having to touch the floor. Now I get from WWE standpoint in their minds it's like what well, is the drama of someone trying to escape and that whole interplay. But it's not that drama is nowhere near as good as seeing two guys who don't like each other beat the living hell out of each other until somebody gets pinned or whatever, like submitted or whatever. Those matches are way more entertaining than seeing a guy dangle from the cage. Oh, is it going to fall? Is it going to fall? Oh, my God. And sometimes when you saw, like, we did the live commentary on Patreon.com slash Shooters Radio of St. Valentine's Day Massacre 1998 with Steve Austin, one of the technicality. Now, sure, people didn't care because Steve Austin was so over and Vince McMahon was over as a heel. Everything was white hot. And they just forgave it. Because they got what they wanted. That was an exciting match with Steve Austin coming out on top, and he was going to WrestleMania. But when you really think about it, he won by technicality. Big Show threw his ass into the cage, and the cage door opened, and he fell. He didn't. That's all. That's why he won. You know what I'm saying? Like that's kind of whack when you really think about that's the it. That's the thing. That's the thing. Like you make a good point, and I like I'm not a fan of it. But give I'll give WWF WWE credit here. They've used that rule for a lot of finishes. And pretty entertaining finishes too. Not every single one, but you know the, you know when <laughs> the Undertaker came from under the ring, then grabbed Diesel, so Bret Hart can go over the top to escape the cage. Really, I guess Diesel should have won because he probably hit the floor first. No, but there, he there, went there, under there, the there, ring. But... Drug him to hell. Yeah, there's yeah, no floor uh, in hell. The, the floor uh, in hell true. don't count. That's true. It's gotta That's be the true. arena floor. The so, hell floor. No, we right. don't. No, 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 no. Can't count the hell floor. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Batiste, That's in the rules. Yeah, there was one with Batista on SmackDown a while ago. Like the money, uh, I mentioned this on the podcast before. The Money Inc. Steiner Brothers steel cage match from ninety SummerSlam Spectacular '93. You know when Rick Steiner was on the floor and he he prevented the IRS from touching the floor when DiBiase's punching him. Trying he didn't just like clip his knee, I guess or whatever. But uh, so Scott Steiner went up the opposite side and came down so rick steiner's feet were on the floor and then scott hits the floor and they win so they, they've come up with creative finishes using that rule so i'll give them credit and i that's like entertaining to me but you know make, make it something else i don't know because steel cage to me screams like blood feud uh that's why I like hell in a cell hell in a cell should scream blood feud uh but it really doesn't anymore so, uh, but yeah, like I, I'll give them credit though. They've come up with some creative finishes using that rule. But there are so many more terrible finishes or not, or not <laughs> memorable finishes, right? Unmemorable finishes than there are the cool ones that you can remember. And there's been so many cage matches over the years since they really have done that. And there's just so many, it's just like, oh, just feet touch the floor. Yay. Instead of like the creative ones. And, I think Bret Hart, Owen Hart had the, the case match yeah. at SummerSlam 94. That was an escape one, right? It was. I believe, didn't that we? Was... We did live commentary on that on our Patreon as well, so check that out. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash Shooters Radio. We can get that and more Owen's, content. 
Yeah, Owen's uh, foot got caught. So they were both like trying to escape, and then no one's like got caught, and then Brett scaled down and won. And yeah, also uh, the one on Raw is War before WrestleMania 13. Him and uh, Bret Hart and Sid, Sid Vicious. Wow, Bret Hart and Sid, and uh, I believe uh, when Austin came out and the Undertaker came out trying to keep them from escaping the cage. Now that that's what I'm mean when I'll give him credit because that was creative. You know, Austin wanted Brett to win because he wanted their match at WrestleMania to be for the title. Austin wanted to become champion. Undertaker wanted to pre- prevent Brett from winning because he wanted to beat Sid for the title at WrestleMania. So, like, that was kind of cool. Uh, we didn't really see it much. If, like, if Attitude Era had okay stuff when talking about finishes, but uh, I don't know, man. Those are the, Those are the types where I think they use that rule to their creative uh, advantage, but I think for the most part, uh, yeah, that that rule got to go. So I'm I'm glad AEW did it. It was never in WCW. It was never escaped the cage unless they changed the rules or stipulations for something. I know when Vince Russo won the title, it's because Goldberg speared him through the cage. So I think that might have been one of the only times they used an escape the cage rule because it was Vince freaking Russo. Uh, You know, that WCW never had that. So it was cool that uh, I had something different to watch. You know, WCW tried to be as different as possible a lot of the time in like 95, 96, 97. So definitely. One of my favorite matches is probably my favorite cage match. Magnum TA, Tully Blanchard, I quit match inside of a steel cage where I think Magnum put a spike in Tully Blanchard's eye, made him say I quit. This doesn't get more blood feud than this right here. Like, if you want to watch a really good cage match, you and obviously WWE doesn't have blood, and you're probably not gonna have a spike driven in someone's eye. But just the heat that was in this match, you can potentially replicate this. This is what cage matches should look like. Not guys trying to run away from each other. So go find that match. And report back to your findings to us, people out there listening. If you you know out there within the the sound of my voice, if you can hear this, report back because this is what a cage match is. That match, crazy. They they belonged in the cage. They hated each other. You know, yeah. and I thought that even though the Cody Wardlow thing wasn't like really like blood feud hatred between those two specifically, but there was some heat there, and it was you know they got blood and all this and that. I thought it was that was fantastic. So, um. I don't know. I think about it. I thought it was weird that they put in a steel cage to begin with, but maybe it was their way of protecting Wardlow with taking that moonsault and then beating him. So I guess how else are you going to beat him without Cody like hitting a foreign object or something? You want to make Wardlow strong and possibly a, a future opponent uh, for a feud with Cody or somebody else and the, being the, oh, not being the elite, but the elite. So, uh, that's kind of where I'm like, okay, you had Cody gushing blood. You had Arn Anderson involved. You, you used the cage to tell that story too. Uh, that was outside of the ring versus inside of the ring because really Cody and Warlow didn't have that big of a uh, issue with each other. But I liked Warlow actually taking one lash to Cody when they did the ten lashes. He 
So at least he kind of had that where it didn't really seem like Orlo was involved or should have been involved because it, it would have been nice for it just to be MJF and Cody, but MJF's the chicken shit heel. I get it. So, you know, it was good though. It was everything that I've had questioned. Well, well not everything. Most of the things I've questioned about their creative direction, AW's kind of really come back and done a great job with it. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing on, I saw a little hints that Raven might be the exalted one in AEW. AEW. Is that like the Dark Order thing? Yeah. Don't do that, AEW. I'm just telling you right now. Well. Don't do that. I mean, he doesn't even look anymore. <laughs> like, no, let's not do that anymore. Have you watched, let me ask you, have you watched the... Ruthless Aggression documentary on WWE Network. My goodness. I have, let me, say, first, just, let me tell you, I have not watched it. Mm. I don't plan on watching it. And then I saw on Twitter that they were pretty much making up stuff. So here's the thing, and I think I know exactly what you're, you're talking about, how they renamed WWF to WWE. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But, Dude, it's interesting, and it's probably like you were a fan at that point. And uh, would you when did you start watching? Like ninety seven, ninety eight, something around there. I mean, I watched when I was younger before that, but when I picked it back up on my own, yeah, it was like ninety eight, late ninety eight into ninety nine. Probably fully immersed in two thousand two. I, I would. I'm shocked. Yeah, I was. I was hooked, long sinker. Into, I was already like two or three WrestleManias in by two thousand two. Like, why wouldn't you want to watch it? Right. I'm surprised. You weren't gonna watch it. No, man, I, I definitely. I feel like they're gonna tell me a lot of stories I already know. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Two at this Let me point. Walk that back. I probably would have watched it if I didn't see people online saying that they were making up stuff, and they had a bunch of revisionist history. Which, if they, if I saw like, okay, it's really good, it's worth watching, I probably would check it out. But I mean, I've kind of now they are doing an FCW one, which. I don't, to me, like, I feel like I, I know a lot about that era, like the Ruthless Aggression era and the guys that came out of there. I feel like, because those guys have been around for so long. People forget this is now 20 years ago. So how much more do we need to know about Cena, Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin, Randy Orton? Like, I feel like we know a lot about those guys, even though I'm sure they, they, there's some stuff I don't know. But the FCW stuff that they're going to do, I forget when they're going to do it at some point this year. That's, I think that's going to be really good. That's something that I'm more interested in because this is the precursor to NXT, but yet they got a lot of talent out of FCW. Seth Rollins is down there. Roman Reigns is down there. Mock, now Moxley. Big E was down there. Kofi, I think, was down there. for No, he might have been in Deep South. Either way, Sheamus was there. Like A lot of guys were there. I'm interested in that. But just, I don't know. Ruthless aggression? I don't know. I just Have you watched it? I have, and I've been a big you, fan of it. What do you uh, I have I didn't really watch a lot of OVW footage of guys like Batista or in or Cena uh, through the years, so I was really hyped to to see this footage and the fact I knew John Cena was the prototype in OVW, but they highlighted him on this second episode, I believe, 
of the documentary and it was, it was mostly about Cena and just like they show promos of him and it was totally different than he was but and they told the story about how you know once Cena was champion in WWE uh how he when he would do signings and stuff how he saw the children were coming out and really you know becoming his biggest fan base and he had mentioned that he needs to stop rapping now i thought he's kind of stopped rapping before he won the title so that's kind of something that i'm like man i don't really remember him being much of a rapper when he faced jbl at wrestlemania but um, he was rapping still a little bit he was rapping rapping and not as much as he was basic economics type uh, character uh, about a year prior uh maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong but you know through my memory i, I just don't remember him rapping too much at that point uh but yeah once they got to the name change and i forget if that was in the first episode or second episode but uh that was kind of the most ridiculous you know we've seen revisitist history a lot they they talk about it a lot with the nwo without hall and nash and uh you know stuff like that we've just seen like the ratings and all that and you know maybe eric bischoff plays a part in it too with, with the revisitist history it, who knows? Because I think he's more against how things went with Turner than he is WWE. So maybe he helps with that revisionist history a little bit. Who knows? Um, but yeah, with the whole name change, they did not mention once, not once, the w, like the World Wildlife Fund and the lawsuit that that was going on. Uh, they they here's what here's what could happen. There's ent- it's entirely plausible to me that Vince McMahon was thinking about changing the name leading up to it. Because after the Attitude Era, you 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 needed something to sink your teeth into to, to, to adapt to the changing landscape of wrestling. The Attitude Era was not really happening uh, at that point. It was getting old. A lot of things were getting old. Uh, so maybe there was a name change scenario going on. But... Vince McMahon didn't just wake up one day and say, okay, we have to change the name because we, no. our, our product is changing. Like, that's not what happened. That is WWE not what happened. forced to change the name by the World Wildlife Fund, which then became the World Wildlife or, or the World Fund for Nature or something like that. Uh, Worldwide Fund for Nature. Or, uh, so their initials eventually changed, but, you know, they were going through all this court process and everything like that. And, but, the fact that they didn't mention it once on the documentary, and I think that's what caught uh, everyone by surprise. The first tweet I saw was from David Bixenspan when he actually took the, the video and put it on Twitter about uh, oh, and the documentary. And they not once did they mention, you know, that was pretty much the reason. They just went, oh, they rebranded and now they're getting the F out. And they just showed all those promos of, you know, that they filmed about them getting the F out and all that. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, if you're going to do these types of documentaries, and I'm a fan of that era, and I, I mean, you know, WWE produces really good content when they want to. Don't give me, don't feed me the bullshit, man. Don't feed me that BS. Put the real reason why they changed the name in there. Like, why? I don't know if it's because they don't, maybe they think it makes them look bad. I don't know. Like you didn't even oh. have to say how the court proceedings were going. You didn't even have to talk right. about the legal thing. You'd just be like, there was a battle over the initials and the World Wildlife Fund won, so WWF had to change their name. Right. Or really, all they had all they had to do was 
You don't have to delve into the whole details. Just say, hey, legal battle, we lost it. And then World Wildlife Wildlife, Wildlife Fund won the battle. We changed our name. Like, you don't have to really touch on it that much. They didn't really have to touch on it at all. But they touched on it. And, I mean, it makes sense to touch on it. But, like, like you said, you don't have to delve deep into it. Just be honest. We all know. Yeah. And I remember it was... When I first got a, this is funny, I got a cable modem. So my internet was like so fast. I was like, yes, I couldn't wait to get home from school. So I could go read wrestling news on the internet. And that was like one of the first stories that happened when I got the cable modem. I came home one day and it was like, hey, WWF is WWE now. And I thought it was like the dumbest thing ever. But now it kind of worked out for him. But because WWE is like, you know, I think it actually sounds better, to be honest. I wouldn't have thought that. 15 years ago or what was it now 18 years ago but uh you know they went kind of through like why they started the the roster split and all that or the brand split um they could have they could have delved even further into that i think uh i don't i I just i the john Cena episode was really good i'll give it that the first episode i think was just kind of like a a broad based mm-hmm. episode. And I, I just don't think that was as good, but definitely the second one was good. I don't know if they uploaded a third one yet, but I think the next one was going to be like the actual draft. Uh, the first draft they had with Flair and McMahon. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm a fan of that era. So I'll be watching it regardless. Mm. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> I'll, I'm interested. I just is it I was gonna ask you, you kinda of said this already, but besides that WWE WWF thing, is it good besides that? Uh I'd look at it I might look at it differently than most. I, I think it is, but they're kinda of short, you know. They're I don't think they're even an hour long or something like that. So I mean if you really wanted to give as much information on that era, you could probably, I mean, it's been like a few days since I watched it. So a lot of things I watch now, I just forget the next day, but uh, hmm. uh, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. So yeah, I, I'm really interested to see like the, the next few episodes to see if I would continue with that opinion. But yeah, yeah, I mean, once I first saw the trailer, I was like, I'm all in. I'm all in because I had a lot of questions about that era uh, that I didn't really research uh, yet. Uh, the WWF, WWE thing, I researched ad nauseum. So when they kind of glossed over that, it didn't even occur to me as I was watching it. I was like, okay, whatever. But then everyone else was making a big deal about it on Twitter. And I'm like, well, yeah, that is kind of weird that they didn't even mention the World Wildlife Fund and all that, but you know, as long as they're not intentionally misleading people and like the whole revisitist history, like it's just no reason for them to do that. There really isn't. It's 2020, man. No one, no one's gonna worry. Well, not I mean, worry, but people are gonna call you out about lies if you like, if you just forget things purposely or like the thing, like not even mentioning the reason for the name change. You could, like, they could have just said this whole battle was a catalyst for Vince McMahon deciding to change the name because he didn't want to deal with it anymore. 
And then the legal things kept going. Like you, you could have even phrased it that way and people would have been like, okay. But the fact that they didn't say it at all, and then you have people that will literally call out WWE for anything, jumping on that and spreading it around. And, you know, I don't blame them. I really don't. Like, to me, it wasn't like a huge deal, but, you know, I definitely don't blame anyone for holding their feet to the fire. The only thing I can think of is that maybe maybe there's some legal ramifications, so maybe they can't really mention it too much. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's it. And they had to make up a reason yeah. why. Yeah, there, there was. I think that I saw a couple comments that said, well, maybe legally they can't even say publicly why they changed their name because right. maybe the World Fund for Nature doesn't want that quote unquote bad press. Like maybe people start going at them, be like, why'd you make them change their name? That the people that don't know the story, who knows? Right. So maybe that's, and, and that's, that's the case. That's a valid reason to not to, to make something up on a documentary. To have to make up a new reason. You can even put that in there and be like, due to due to legal issues, we can't comment on uh, the name change. I mean, why not just throw it in there? Because then you, know, you won't get the reaction of people that just think they completely omitted it on purpose because they wanted to, versus they had to because they weren't allowed to say anything. Who knows? I I guess I mean like I said legally they can't say anything they can't say anything but it just uh, it just felt weird to, to just leave it out. No, that, that I want to piggyback off that. Have you listened to the New Day pod yet? I have. No, I was just listening to the latest uh, one today, and that's pretty good. Like I I enjoy all the to talk about leading up to Kofi Mania and all that and everything that was going on. That's been one of my favorites. It's definitely a number two behind the straight shooters. Oh yeah, we're number one with a bullet. But I have listened to the to Kofi uh tonight Kofi to the <laughs> U Day pod, and yes, I agree. It's a great pod. I like the the story they told about them parting with the Cavaliers after they won the championship. The Warriors, yeah. And uh, what was that? Two thousand sixteen. Yeah. So yeah, that that was pretty funny. But you know, that's a that's a great podcast. I agree. Mm-hmm. So. But we're a great podcast too, even though we gotta wrap it up here for episode two two seven, like a TV show back in the day, bringing it up again. Uh, but yeah, gotta wrap it up. The, I might add in episode. the theme post production. I'll add in the theme. Why not? I mean, why not? Just add it in there. Throw it in there. It's a classic theme. Throw in the Amen theme while you add it too. Yeah, the classic. I'll, I'll do it back to back. Yeah, yeah, why not? Throw it in there. But in the meantime, Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. You can follow me at Nick Picone on Twitter. Follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. And hit up my site, phillyinfluencer.com. You will see all the greatest and latest in Philly sport. Latest and greatest. I kind of switched it up there uh, in Philly sports. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Well, I'm at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. Uh, if you can't find me there, well, you know where you can find me, more than likely. Out here in these streets where I'm always am. Uh, but make sure, yeah, make sure you check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash shooters radio. You can find some exclusive content for the nominal fee of $199. Only $199. We just recorded a and, and is posted on Patreon actually. Our live commentary of St. Valentine's Day Massacre in 1998. Like I said earlier, we did that. And it's on there. We did the uh, not the whole show. We did only did the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Vince McMahon, Cage match, 
from the main event of that show. Uh, so you want to listen to our thoughts on that and a live commentary, go to patreon.com slash radio, drop that one ninety nine. Exact change, I guess. If you want, you know, one ninety nine only, you can give us two dollars if you want. We'll take the extra penny. Uh, we'll take it as a tip, I guess. But go on there, check it out. It's good stuff. We've got other exclusive content on there as well. We got more coming down the pipe. So check us out, patreon.com slash you just radio. But until next time, I'm Vaughn Johnson for Nick McCone. Thanks for listening to episode two twenty seven of the Straight Shooters. We'll catch y'all again next week. Peace. Child.